Let's get into it then. All right. Awesome sauce. I ask that the gods and goddesses of our respective paths bless this circle so that we may be free and protected within this space. And if you have this one word, pagan or paganism. For the pagan community. Exactly. Right. The, the big umbrella. And that was fucking fantastic. Of the podcast ever. We're three pagans. Exactly. We're three pagans. And a cat. And may the works this day of be of the highest good for all present and those listening. So mote it be. The circle is cast. Hail Dictinus! Grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good read. When word of the astronomer's vote in Prague reached the New Horizons team, reactions ranged from indifferent, who cares what astronomers think? They're not the experts in this. To bemused, to annoyed, to seriously pissed off. Welcome to Celestial Bodies Pluto, the 143rd episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of planetary scientist Alan Stern. Thanks to Velocity Rose for our intro music. You can find more of their work at VelocityRose.com. You may call me Ode. You can call me Car. I'm Ode's father. <laughs> Mary me. My name is Gwyn, Ode's mother, the mighty clapper today. If you're, not, if you're not here live, we start every recording with a clap because it makes a spike in the visualizer on the Audacity file so I can find the start of the episode easier for editing. <laughs> and cl- uh, Car has lost his clap. But sometimes the clap doesn't work. And sometimes we get a little giggly. And today was one of those days. Huh? After Car failed the clap... Four no, it was more than four. <laughs> and they got wimpier as they went along. It's because his hands started hurting. I think so. And then I killed it. <laughs> wow. All right. So we have housekeeping. First of all, Car, do we have any new patrons? Not that I have seen. I've had there's been a couple people who have update upgraded, upgraded their accounts, but no newbies. Okay. Well, then we just want to say thank you to everyone to all our yes. patrons who are patrons. We really appreciate you, and mm-hmm. we love you all, mm-hmm. just as we love all our listeners. As do our birds. As do right. our birds. The birds, which, as you know, will be in every episode until they grow up and move away. Uh-huh. Until they fly free from the nest from which they are currently living. Hopefully they won't be like our kids and they'll never leave. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. That's accurate. Yes, but you invited them. Well, that's true. I did not invite the birds. That's true. So, Carr, talk about the things you do. I What do I do? I only do three pagans on tap. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other podcast that you do, so talk yeah, about that. Yeah, so that's every other Tuesday, so not this Tuesday coming up, the day this releases. Uh-huh. But, uh, the, following. but the following Tuesday after that, and that is with Sarenth Odinson and Malik Odinson, and we talk about alcohol. And sometimes non-alcoholic drinks. We try to get them in, but we often you forget, often because, forget we, them, yeah. because we've been drinking so much alcohol uh-huh. and that we forget to do the non-alcoholic ones and how they relate to our gods. If we get to that, usually it ends up with like Malik ranting, although if Sarenth drinks enough, then Sarenth rants. Mm-hmm. And then Mahala, you are Well, yeah, yeah. So I'm part owner in a brewery mm-hmm. in Kalamazoo, Michigan that has a tap room called Bahala that I'm at a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, but we all do something together new. We now do new. a new thing. That's yes. true. So on YouTube, you can see the first episode ever of Three Pagans Eat plus, plus Jackson, Jackson <laughs> uh, which is the three of us plus Jackson, mm-hmm. our son, reviewing. My yeah, not your old son, because not my weird. son. Yeah. Mine and Car's son. There we Ode's go. Ode's brother. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. 
reviewing restaurants that we eat at. Yes, yeah. mostly going to be in the Keizu area, but when we're able to travel to places again. Yep. Yeah. We will do them based on that as well. Mm -hmm. And we're going to try to do it semi-regularly once a month. Yeah, we think month. probably once a month is, is when we'll be doing this. At least once a month. Yeah. Then, yeah. And then if we go somewhere fun in between and mm -hmm. we're like, hey, we like this place, we want to talk about it, then we'll do that. Yep. So or, hey, we hate this place, we want to talk about it, because someday right. that'll happen. Yeah. Someday that'll happen. And Jackson has nine years of experience of, in cooking in kitchens, so he brings his he brings culinary expertise. expertise. Plus, he's also lactose intolerant, so mm -hmm. has to have things that don't have dairy. Mm -hmm. Gwen has a bunch of dietary restrictions. And why don't you explain why you have those dietary restrictions since right. most the of the people who... in the podcast haven't heard it? That's yeah. true. Okay, so I guess a couple of weeks ago now, I went to see my doctor for routine tests. And my blood work came back with uh, some troubling indications for my liver enzymes. Mm -hmm. And so she sent me to have an ultrasound done of my liver. And it indicated that I potentially have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, or NEFLD. She's pretty sure that's what the diagnosis is, but she wants me to go see a gastroenterologist to have that confirmed. And that'll probably have to be confirmed with a biopsy or whatever. But we don't know because I haven't heard from the gastroenterologist We're waiting yet. waiting on that one. But until then, I've been doing a lot of research into NAFLD, and it's a variant also called NASH. There are restrictions because your, you know, your liver is responsible for filtering your blood, basically. Mm -hmm. And if it's not working properly, then things like fatty foods and sugar and alcohol and things like that can can react very badly to your system, and it starts backing. It's going to kind of build up in your system so build up, filtered out. Exactly. So until I hear from the gastroenterologist and we figure out what level of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease I have, I'm trying Restrict to... everything. I'm, well, I'm, I'm trying to follow <laughs> the, the, guidelines. Di the guidelines of what I can and cannot have as far as alcohol and uh, cutting cutting way down on sugar and... and fatty foods. Fatty foods. Right. But the hardest thing for me is that sugar is in fucking everything. Yeah. They, I, like, I wanted to have shrimp and cocktail sauce yesterday because I thought, ooh, that sounds good because I was at grocery shopping. Uh -huh. And I went to look at the cocktail sauce and every single one of them had corn syrup. Uh -huh. You know, the corn syrup was in it. And so I ended up having to to make it myself. So I bought all these different ingredients, right, to make it myself. And the fucking Worcestershire sauce that I used has corn syrup in it, so I can no longer use that. So um, I did manage to. So now what you need to do is learn to make Worcestershire sauce, uh -huh, okay, or right. find a sugar-free variant. Right. But <laughs> but anyway, that's part of what my part of right. uh, Three Pagans Eat plus Jackson mm -hmm. is going to be. The struggles of, of trying to eat out with all these restrictions. Yeah, and is it possible, you mm -hmm. know, to eat out when I have a quite a list of restrictions right now until I hear from the gastroenterologist. So that's where I am with that. And Carr brings the expertise of having worked in... Managing restaurants yes, and in, stuff. Yeah, restaurant management. And I just bring liking food. Right. I have no expertise. I just like to eat things. So... <laughs> So that's an approximately that's an approximately monthly thing that we're going to be doing now, and it's mostly going to be on YouTube. Yeah, that's going to be on YouTube. It's going to be on our YouTube. So you get channel. to see our faces. Yep, and it's going to just be on our YouTube channel. We're not going to make a whole new yeah thing, oh, whole thing about it. It's going to be unedited. Yep, because I don't want to do video editing. Yep. So if you like to hear our adventures in food, mm -hmm. including restrictions and shit and dealing with all that, just kind of look for our, our episode updates. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yes, Finn, it's kind of like our Eddie Murphy episode. 
raw, Fit, and raw uncut. And uncut. <laughs> yep. And then, Am I allowed to tell somebody else to go fuck themselves who's a listener? It depends on if they have a Finn-like relationship with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you could do that. So, Rhiannon, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Rhiannon has been with us long enough that they can, <laughs> they can say it right back. Uh-huh. <laughs> you got a kiss face. And, and blow kisses back. Uh-huh. All right, Gwen, talk about what you do. I write. You write? <laughs> I write for Pathos Pagan. Not as much as I have been because I'm currently writing a book. Called, different rights. Yep, I'm doing a book called Green Earth Witchcraft. So a lot of my time and attention is going to that right now. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be coming out with Wicca Press? Wicca Press, hopefully in the fall or awesome. early next year, depending yep. on how everything, <laughs> how everything, everything shakes out. out. Yep. All right. Exactly. I believe that is all of our housekeeping. Yes? Uh, sure. Should oh, we I talk about... I forgot to say the thing. Oh, that's true. But we are... Housekept and... Sweat. Okay, there. Now, don't establish a thing and then forget, and then to, forget do. to do the thing. I gotta write the thing down. I gotta start putting it in my notes. <laughs> That's like that one week where I, I forgot to write down, you may call me Ode, and so I didn't say it. <laughs> so, anyway. Anyway, join us for the fun if you want to be part of all the silliness during the live recording. Otherwise, you just get to listen to the edited version. Right. Yeah. So, you may not hear this. <laughs> They'll hear part of it. <laughs> Especially that. Okay. So, <laughs> so. please just put that in. They'll hear a part of it. Nothing. Before it. <laughs> okay. Okay. So right, we yes. should probably finally get to the topic. To the topic, week. which has taken us forever to actually get uh-huh. to. Poor little planet. <laughs> Poor little dwarf planet. We're gonna discuss it, <laughs> but we're we're gonna get there. We're gonna start with you know history and facts about Pluto, and then we'll get yes. to the debate. So obviously, we're talking about the planet, the, the body known as Pluto, the body known, <laughs> the celestial body. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, please yes. say that because the body known as Pluto <laughs> okay. happens to be a dog. Well, it's part two dog at that. Yeah, that's true. So we're talking about Pluto. Yes, the planet. The, the planet. planet. So. In 1906, after the discovery of Neptune, Mm -hmm. there were some questions about Neptune's orbit and some perturbations in how it moved versus how it was predicted to move in mathematical models and so Mm -hmm. on and so forth. And so a guy named Percival Lowell, who, among other things, established the Lowell Observatory, Mm -hmm. theorized about what he called a planet X which would be a planet beyond Neptune, which would be having some effect on its movements. Right. Mm -hmm. Sort of the same way that Neptune was discovered, Mm -hmm. by the fact that it was having effects on the movements of other planets. Right. And they were doing maps, and they figured it out, that something should be there. So Lowell theorized that there would be a planet beyond Neptune. He just wasn't sure where it would be. But he was was convinced that there was one. Mm Mm-hmm. So he set up at the Lowell Observatory, which he had founded, a project to search for Planet X. And he did not find anything himself. He died, and in 1930... 12 years after he died. But he did predict the location. Sort of. Sort of. Yeah. He did actually... So he was... One of the ways he was searching for it was he was taking still photos of the night sky at various angles and and trajectories, looking for unfamiliar objects. And he did actually capture two images of Pluto, but didn't recognize Mm. what he was looking at, Mm -hmm. which is a common problem with the far-off planets. Right. 
But so in 1930, after Lowell had died, the person who was now in charge of the Lowell Observatory gave the job of continuing the search for Planet X to a uh, 24-year-old amateur astronomer, essentially, named Tombow. Yeah, Clyde Tombow, who continued the, the project. And he, in, I think, August of 1930, discovered... Pluto. Mm-hmm. He found. He found he, planet he, X. He found well. He he found Pluto. Mm-hmm. Whether he found planet X is a different question. Right. Because what they eventually discovered was that Pluto does not have the effect that Lowell thought it would have mm-hmm. on Neptune. So the concept of a planet X that's having this effect on Neptune's orbit and and rotation mm-hmm. that force it doesn't exist because what we discovered when we finally got missions out neptune words mm-hmm. was that it, it was less massive than we thought mm-hmm. so it had a different density and it, had, it was a slightly different size and so the the differences between its projected and its actual movements were due to the fact that we had miscalculated neptune's size mm-hmm. not due to the planet, X. The, right. the planet X having uh, an effect on its movement. Right. So we discovered Pluto existed by looking for planet X, but planet X as such doesn't exist. Right. I thought it was interesting. I found out that uh, Pluto was actually named by an 11-year-old named Venetia Burney of Oxford, England. She suggested the name to her grandfather because she thought the, the new planet that had been discovered mm-hmm. to get its name from the Roman god of the underworld. So her grandfather, presumably someone of note, passed the name along to the Lowell Observatory, and they decided to go with Pluto because Percival Lowell, Pluto, the first yeah. two, yeah. the first two letters of Pluto, basically are an homage to him. Mm-hmm. And actually, it wasn't that her grandfather or father was somebody of note. It was a contest they were running yeah. oh, okay. to name it. And I think Pluto won unanimously. Mm-hmm. Yes, it yeah. did indeed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Kronos was, was one proposal, but the guy who proposed it was just hated. <laughs> no one... <laughs> nobody was going to do it. Nobody liked him, so they just all downvoted his name, basically. Yep. yep. Um, but yeah, so Pluto won by unanimous vote. Mm-hmm. And it's a good name. It is a good name. For the formerly ninth planet most distant from the sun. <laughs> We're going to get there. (laughs) Pluto's day is approximately six Earth days long. Mm -hmm. That's how long it takes to spin. And it's got kind of a weird elliptical orbit, right? Yeah. So, well, there are a couple of weird things about Pluto's orientation. So it is on a 120 degree axial tilt. So we talked about how Uranus is on a 90 degree angle so right. it's like perfectly sideways right um pluto is again on a sort of a weird angle but not like as perfectly sideways not as, a table. as uranus is not a, not a horizontal kind of yeah thing. so it's at a 120 degree axial tilt which again has that effect of very long seasons on pluto also very long seasons because it takes pluto 247.68 years to go around the sun that's a long time. So it hasn't yet since we discovered it, obviously. <laughs> and it will be some time yet before it does. And yet they believe when it gets close enough, it actually, some of its ice, I guess, that is on it creates a kind of an atmosphere. So it, it has an atmosphere all the time. Mm-hmm. They originally thought 
So, yeah, so Pluto has this weird orbit, yeah. this very elliptical orbit, where sometimes it's actually closer to us than Neptune is, mm -hmm. as we talked about a little bit in the Neptune episode. Right. They are, like, in a weird locked system where they're never going to collide, but right. they just sort of inter they intersect each other occasionally. And it's also in the Kuiper Belt, or is that another one of those sort of. big, <laughs> you know, contentious things? It's sometimes, quote, in the Kuiper Belt, is and it sometimes that just weird? a wrap near the Kuiper Belt. Yeah, and it's probably because that's weird, weird elliptical long or elliptical orbit. orbit. Yeah. And then Finn says the apparent crossing points are optical illusions caused by the fact that the two orbits are actually uh, steeply inclined to one another. So yeah, they they originally thought that when Neptune was far away from the sun its atmosphere would essentially solidify mm -hmm. and chill off completely. But the New Horizons mission, which got out there in 2015, mm -hmm. discovered that Pluto's atmosphere is always there. It's just very, it's got a very thin sort of tenuous atmosphere, gotcha. but it, it manages to maintain it. Mm -hmm. They're pretty sure through its entire orbit around the sun. I also saw that uh, the Hor New Horizons established that it has a mountain range, not unlike the Rockies. We discovered a lot of really interesting stuff about the geography of Pluto. So, mm -hmm. okay, so they think Pluto has uh, a rock, a dense rocky core mm -hmm. that makes up like two thirds of its mass. So Sylvester Stallone's in the middle of it. That's right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> dense rocky core. Doing the fighter scene. Okay. Up and down the stairs. Yep. Yeah. So that's in the center of Pluto. It makes up about two-thirds <laughs> of its mass. A Sylvester Stallone statue. Mm -hmm. And then on top of the rocky core, mm -hmm. there is a liquid water mantle, they think. Okay, yeah. So there's a, a, a subsurface liquid water layer right over top of the core. And then above that is an icy crust. And the surface, they believe, is made up of about 98% nitrogen ice mm -hmm. with traces of methane and carbon monoxide. And a it's lot of methane out methane there in the, universe. in the universe. Yeah. And its atmosphere is likewise made up of the same amount of nitrogen, methane, and carbon monoxide, but in gaseous forms, obviously. Mm -hmm. And it has this sort of hazy blue effect. So it has some sort of heavier particles in it that are causing it to be this really hazy... Um, sort of visibly striated mm -hmm. atmosphere. So we're still working out all the details about why that happens. But it has these mountains, these very distinct, yeah, like the, like Rockies. the Rockies, mountain formations. Say it's uh, at a, as high as 11,000 feet. Mm -hmm. And which they think are made of not nitrogen ice, but water ice. Mm -hmm. So they think there is essentially... There's the water ice mountains on top of the nitrogen ice surface, and beneath that is a water ice ocean. That would make a great title for a novel, The Water Ice Mountains. Uh-huh. <laughs> Actually, there was a question up, what is it, why 120 and not 30? Why 120 and not 60 does its magnetic north pole point more towards a galactic south or something? Don't know. There's not, <laughs> yeah. There's not a galactic south. There is a galactic plane, which is what, what most of the planets are, how we determine a north and a south, mm -hmm. because their their axial tilt is mostly along that plane. And so, yeah, Uranus and are tilted relative to that galactic plane, which isn't so much a thing or a force as just like a trend with how the other planets are tilted. Right. Where was I? 
know. We're talking about the water. Oh, yeah. The water mountains. Yeah, so so there are the water ice mountains on Pluto. It's actually got a lot of really interesting just geographic formations in general. So Does NASA have pictures of they that? They do. And I we have we have some real color photos of Pluto that are that we got from New Horizons. Cool. The real color of Pluto is interesting. It's not a solid color like Mars for for example is like a, a pretty red. solid red rust Reddish. red color. Pluto ranges from sort of a charcoal black in some areas to a bone white in others oh. with patches of sort of a, a rusty orange. I am going to have to look up those photos. Yeah, so it's it's very interesting visuals on Pluto. Finn says Pluto is super so pretty. It really, really is. So definitely look up. And it's got this, it's, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. And it's got but uh, a particular plane that was discovered by, by Tom Bow, actually, who, who discovered Pluto's existence, called the, the heart plane. Right. Um, because there's this great big heart-shaped basin, very distinct on Pluto. An interesting landmark. Rihanna says Pluto is a colorful cat. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> so originally we thought that Pluto was one of those planets that formed cold. Gotcha. And has always been cold and just always existed out there being cold. But we were wrong. Yeah, so it's very, very cold now. But because of the way its geography has formed, it looks like it has expanded instead of contracting, instead of compressing. So they think it was actually a warm planet to start with, with liquid oceans mm -hmm. on its surface, and that at some point it cooled rapidly and... Maybe it got knocked out of its original orbit. Unclear. There are a bunch of theories about how Pluto was formed, leading to a bunch of other debates. So they think Pluto cooled that process is what created things like these water mountains these water ice mountains sort of cresting through the nitrogen plants i'm gonna yeah. have to look at those photos you should yeah they're very 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 interesting That's and hopefully cool. someday we can get a new uh Another. mission out towards pluto that would be cool that would be cool and get some some even higher resolution thanks to our tiger solanox for introducing us to weavers of the web an interfaith pagan ATC, that's Aquarian Tabernacle Church, organization based in Lansing, Michigan. Weavers of the Web is a public Wiccan church that aims to be family-friendly, supportive, and informative, with the goal of ensuring that no one ever need be alone in their spiritual needs. Weavers is currently raising funds for a down payment on a property, which would allow them to expand their current network of resources. During social distancing, you can find them online at weaversoftheweb.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash weaversatc. Weavers is also holding regular Zoom meetings, online rituals, and Discord discussions during this time. Hail Dictinus! Hail Dictinus! Light some of that on fire. Yep. <clears throat> Offerings to Dictinus. Mm -hmm. Real quick, Pluto has five satellites. One of them, Charon, it's in sort of an interesting orbit with and, and there was uh prior to the big debate about pluto there was uh Poor pluto always been so controversial always always, always uh getting harassed by scientists that's right the scientists <laughs> just don't love him so during when charon was discovered in the 70s 1978 i think is when charon was discovered which is the largest satellite they discovered that pluto and charon have an interesting orbital relationship where pluto doesn't 
revolve completely around its own axis, it moves a little bit. It wobbles. It wobbles a little bit. Is it a weasel? So, right, yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't <laughs> fall it down. It doesn't fall down. <laughs> um, so it, it wobbles a little bit in its rotation, and is you can follow that wobble with the progression of Charon. So Charon has a gravitational relationship with Pluto, which they're sort of pulling each other. So it was there was a debate for a while. Do they wobble together? Sort of, yeah. So there was a debate for a while about considering them a dual planet system. So now all I really want to do is take a pen and stick it in the middle of Pluto and see the spirograph that comes out of it. It would be interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be very interesting. Charon is the largest satellite, and then there are four more much smaller satellites, which are Styx, Nix, Kerberos, and Hydra. I'm sensing a theme there with, with Pluto. You yeah, know, the whole underworld. Bye. Vibe that vibe was there. there. That debate with Charon was sort of the the precursor to, to the, the debate that's, that we're going to get into now. So that got poor Pluto kicked off the list of planets. It's still a dwarf planet, but it's not considered. That makes it a planet planet, yes, not according to the IAU. The IAU is stupid. I agree. I agree. Made, if the IAU said it's a dwarf planet, then it's still a planet. It has planet, and then but it is. Means, the IAU explicitly says dwarf planets aren't planets because they can exactly. get. Then don't name them dwarf planets. Name them right, something right, else. We're gonna get Our into it. galaxy has eight nine planets. Planets technically according, according to the, the IAU. IAU, but to us. Right. It has nine. Let's get into this. <laughs> so, so in 2005-2006, a body past Pluto was discovered, mm -hmm. which would eventually be called Eris. Yeah, 2005, yeah. Yeah, and there was some discussion about whether we should consider Eris a planet. Like a tenth planet. A tenth planet, whether we were going to expand the list to include Eris. And if we did, would we also need to expand it to include some other large objects with similar characteristics. Mm -hmm. So the IAU, which is the International Astronomical Union, which is a, an international body of scientists that are... That has no saying whatsoever in anything. They don't they're they're the made bad, up. They're they always the bad guys in uh, Stargate SG-1, too. They, they can't mandate anything. <laughs> but it's made up of between 9,000 and 15,000 individual astronomers, depending on the time. And they all sort of get together and agree on what they're going to name things and mm -hmm. how they're going to define things and so on and so forth. So that scientists in different nations will have converging consensuses about science things related to astronomy. And there are a lot of these kind of unions um, for various scientific fields for trying to sort of keep everybody on the same page. So in 2006, there was this discussion about Eris and whether we needed to expand our list of planets in our solar system. And if so, what would they be and what would the criteria be? And the IAU came up with some criteria, which are bad. So there are three criteria, according to the IAU, for a definition of a planet, which is that it must orbit around our sun to be a planet in our solar system. And which, technically which, Pluto does. Yeah, which all of the five dwarf planets do. Yes. That it must be massive enough to establish its own hydrostatic equilibrium, which is a fancy way of saying that it must round itself, that it has to have a, a, a round or elliptoid shape. Oh, yeah. Right. So it is so an irregularly shaped satellite can't be considered a planet. It has to be round or round-ish. All of the five dwarf planets do. Are. Mm -hmm. And I was going to say, you showed me that picture of Pluto. Yeah. It's fucking round. It's round. <laughs> and so Pluto 
meets those two criteria, but they added one more criteria. Which is a dumbass criteria. It's a dumb criteria for multiple reasons, which we'll get into. And which seems to have been a criteria that they added specifically so they could exclude Eris, and Pluto sort of got caught up in it. Which is that it has to clear its neighborhood. Which is a way of saying that it has to remove any smaller bodies in its orbit around the sun. So it has to either absorb them or lock them or or be in control of them, of any smaller bodies in its orbit. Now, the salient point here is that by this definition, Jupiter, Mars, Neptune, and Earth are also not planets. Yep. Because none of us, none of those have cleared their own neighborhoods. It's planet shaming. Earth's orbit contains hundreds, uh, actually thousands, of what are called near-Earth asteroids, which are small bodies in our mm. orbital territory yep. that we do not have gravitationally locked, and consequently, that's when you hear about people saying, like, hey, one well, of those asteroids is getting awful close, do we need to worry about this? So those are the near-Earth asteroids, so we have not cleared our neighborhood. Jupiter has hundreds of oh, thousands God, hundreds. of what are called Trojan asteroids, mm -hmm. which... If Jupiter can't clear its neighborhood, who can? Because Jupiter's gravity well is massive. Uh, basically what it means is somebody came up with these, the stupid-ass third rule because they didn't want Pluto to be a fucking planet in our solar system. Well, they didn't want Eris to and be a planet. And they didn't want Eris. They didn't want Eris to be a planet, and they didn't want to... They didn't want to create a definition of planet that would expand the number of planets in our solar system substantially because we could have up to like 50 planets if we accepted just the first two criteria. Finn is blaming Neil deGrasse Tyson. Is Neil deGrasse Tyson has accepted the new definition of planets and Neil deGrasse Tyson can get fucked as far as I I'm am concerned. so disappointed in him. <laughs> Jeez, normally I think he's Neil deGrasse cool Tyson dude, but... before this had been refusing to put Pluto in his planetarium. Oh my gosh. Neil, Neil, yeah. Neil. He's great in a lot of things. This is the one thing this I would disagree with. This is the one thing I him. disagree with yeah. him on. Of course, we know what the fuck we're talking about because, you know, we're astrophysicists. Uh -huh. But no, there are <laughs> there are astronomers and planetary scientists, including Alan Stern, who I quoted at the start of this, who was the head of the New yeah. Horizons project at the time, who say this doesn't make any sense, yep. and this is a bad criteria for a planet. And this is especially interesting because the term clearing the neighborhood actually comes from a paper that Alan Stern co-wrote where he was trying to distinguish subcategories of planets between uber and interplanets. Mm -hmm. His concept was an uber planet would be ones that have cleared their neighborhoods and right. have enough gravity that they've uh, they've absorbed or taken removed the other right. stuff in their system. And interplanets would be planets that don't have enough gravity to do that yet or, so, or aren't going to get enough. So what I'm hearing you say is they took his so a part of his concept and, and applied used it, it against... Eris, and applied it randomly and to this. It randomly and to this. he's not happy about it. No. <laughs> it looks like they talk. It sounds like they took his his idea completely out of context. Yeah. So they could prove their point. Pretty much. And then they pretty much excluded like most of the planets in our fucking solar system. But they don't say that. Including our own. They maintain that Jupiter, Mars, Neptune, and Earth have cleared their neighborhoods, but they don't explain how or why because they can't on account of all those asteroids. So they, they like to say that those, well, they plan, those planets have dynamical dominance 
even though they haven't cleared their neighborhoods. So it still counts. Dynamical dominance? Yeah. I think they made that one up. <laughs> it's all made up. <laughs> <laughs> the categories in general are made up. These are us trying to decide what we're going to call things. That's true. Um, that's true. That's the widest problem that people have with with this ruling on the definition of planets. But the other the other thing that people complain about a lot is that uh, only 5% of the people who were who were voting members of the IAU were permitted to vote on this resolution because they only allowed people who were present at this particular event when they arbitrarily decided this. Only people who were physically present were allowed to vote. They did it by a hand raise. Oh, that's rude. They didn't allow voting by email, which they do for other topics. So this was rigged. Basically, yes. <laughs> this is really, really rigged. There were a lot of a lot of uh, astronomers were not happy about this, and a lot of people in uh, other science fields related yeah. to, to planetary studies were not happy that's about not this. That's how you do shit. Yeah. But the schools absorbed it, and so all the textbooks changed. Of course, of course. And now once it's in the textbooks, you know, mm -hmm. you it's very hard to correct. Rhiannon is really getting their dander up here. Yeah, Rhiannon uh, says, blood! Pluto and all the other dwarf planets have rights that deserve to be respected. <laughs> but then again, IDK, if they'd even care, if they could, can, they're far older than our insignificant asses. Yeah, they don't, they don't, they don't probably <laughs> care, but we care. We care. We care. And... This is the thing that Carr was saying before. So they decided what they would call Pluto and other, and Eris and other yeah. planets, planetoids that can't clear their own neighborhoods. They would decided they would call them dwarf planets. But in that, when they made that announcement, they clarified dwarf planets are not planets. Of course they did, because they don't want it to be a fucking planet. Why they did this, so the, what, the guy who discovered Eris, Mike Brown, I believe is his name, thinks this is great. He's on board for this definition. And he claims that the reason that the whole dwarf planets aren't planets thing happened is that the, quote, pro-Pluto side wanted was insisting that we, that we keep calling Pluto a planet, and... The anti-Pluto side was saying, no, we can't call it a planet. And so the compromise What's of, again, 5% of the membership of the IAU was to call it a dwarf planet and then just clarify that dwarf planets aren't planets. Oh, my God. So basically, it's like saying a dwarf isn't a humanoid, and I find that highly illogical. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, and the thing is, like, we have dwarf stars. We yeah. acknowledge right. that those are stars. stars, stars. Yeah. I'm, I'm in agreement with QQ. I am offended on behalf of Pluto. There are currently five other official dwarf planets. Yes. So, Eris, Yep, Pluto. which was the one that started the whole mess. So, Eris, Pluto, Cirrus. Right. Mm -hmm. Make, make. Is it Make Make or Maki Maki? Well, I don't know. It's spelled M-A-K-E-M-A-K-E, -E -E, so yeah. maybe Maki Maki. Looks like Make Make to me. <laughs> All uh, right, let's pronounce. Hamumia. Yeah, Hamea. Hamea. But also coming aboard soon mm -hmm. is Quaor, Gong Gong, and Four Vesta. Interesting. Interesting. And they're all considered dwarf planets. Yeah, three of those. Yeah, three of those are on their way to dwarf planet status. Does that mean they're undergoing a uh, certification process, or that they like have a, a few million years yet to go? I don't know. <laughs> QQ says they're getting audited. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Pretty much. With an Oprah voice, you get to be a planet, and you get to be a planet. <laughs> 
So that that whole thing happened. We we seem to have sort of lost that one because, like I said, that happened in 2006. Yeah. There was a lot of fuss and bother about it for a couple of years. I'm not even kidding. Once it once Texas, because that's where mm -hmm. all of the fucking textbooks are created is uh -huh. in Texas. Once it gets into a textbook and starts getting taught, that's it. In science classes, it's incredibly hard. Yeah. You've to, lost the to, fight then. You to change it for most of the kids growing up since 2005. Yeah. Pluto is not part of our official planet list. It is a dwarf planet. Yep. You know, on the outside. We technically have eight planets mm -hmm. in our solar system. They won, that they won the day it got into the textbooks, and it shouldn't yep. be that way, but that really is the way it is. Once it gets into the textbooks and starts getting taught, it's incredibly hard to get yep. opinion to change. Yeah, it really is. So here we are in 2021, still livid about yeah. the, the great Pluto reversal. Yeah, I'm, I'm never going to be happy about it. Yeah. No, no, I, I, to this day, consider Pluto one of our planets, which so, is why we're talking about it on the Planetary Bodies yeah. episode. And so so Alan Stern, who again was the, he's the guy who's so pissed off about the, the clearing. Usage yeah, about the his... clearing the neighborhood criteria for yeah, planets. Yeah. Who's also the director of NASA's mission to Pluto. Yes. Mm -hmm. He thinks we should consider significantly more bodies to be planets. He thinks yeah. we should consider the moon a planet because it, it meets all of all the, the other criteria. criteria. He thinks we should just call those satellite planets. Mm, yeah. So because it has the features of a planet. So, or like Titan, which has an atmosphere mm -hmm. and complex geology. So why can't we include, like, you know, just instead of having such a narrow idea of what our solar system is, why can't we have include the dwarf planets mm -hmm. and satellite planets and things like that and expand our understanding of what our solar system actually is comprised of? Exactly. And a, an interesting critique I saw of the, the current IAU definition is that it defines planets based on their location in our solar system mm -hmm. instead of based on any actual characteristics of the planet. Of the, planet. the second quality is a characteristic of the yeah. planet in that it, it requires it to have hydrostatic equilibrium. It right. requires it to have rounded itself. Right. But the other two are orbiting around the sun and yeah. clearing a neighborhood, which are based just purely on where it happens to to live. Honestly, I think I feel like they're they're holding on to It's planetary classism. It is planetary classism <laughs> that I feel like they're holding on to from the Middle Ages. Yeah. It's... From from, you know, the, the original astronomers who figured out where these various planets and, mm -hmm. and stars were and started naming things. And because they said, you know, this is our this is our system mm -hmm. of planets, they're they seem to not be willing to expand yeah. on that knowledge. I've even seen, though we have more information now than they would have. Exactly. You know, in the Middle Ages. And well, and for a, really? they thought a lot of those were... Imagine that. Imagine. Shocking. Hmm. But like, we used to call a lot of these planets now wandering stars. Mm -hmm. Because they were just lights. We could see that moved in irregular ways, in, in ways that fixed stars didn't. And so we yeah. learned more and we were like, oh, those are planets like us. So I personally, I think... As a non-astronomer. Yes, again, we are not scientists. We don't know shit. This is just our personal opinions. But I think like a, geo <laughs> a geophysical definition yeah. of, of, of what makes a planet, of determining the characteristics that distinguish between a planet and an asteroid right. or, or that doesn't have the same features right. of a planet, unlike like the moon or Titan or Charon or these satellites that do have the features of a planet. Right. A geophysical model seems to make more sense. And yes, that would expand our list of planets. And what's but wrong with who cares? That? Yeah, why would it matter if we expand if we expand our, our list of planets from 8 or 9 to 15 or even fucking 20. Mm -hmm. Or 50. Yeah, or 50. Why does it matter 
how many planets we have listed. It, again, I'm, I'm saying we need to be willing to evolve mm -hmm. as the information comes to us instead of being so, I think these people are really narrow-minded. They are narrow-minded. They're keeping, you know, they want to keep a very, to the point of they're creating the rules to suit themselves mm -hmm. and ignoring the, the facts. Yeah, it's very. It was a. It was a strange decision. It is a strange decision, and the fact that they excluded so many people from it just shows how yeah. cagey the whole the whole thing. And is. that they did it. They, they did this vote by by raising of hands, like they yeah. didn't even do an actual like written tally. Yeah, and I know that in the grand scheme of things, you know how many planes we have, what we call them, how we right. It's this, not a. It's, it's not, not a, a big exactly. deal. I mean, it, it really isn't. But yet, there's kind of this, when it comes to Pluto. You know, and, and even like I think Eris should Eris, be a planet. I think I think we should have satellite planets. I think the Moon and and Charon and Titan should all be satellite planets, and maybe Charon and Pluto should be a double planet system. And we've got Gemma and uh, Quinn in the or QQ mm -hmm. in the in the uh, Discord saying, and I really do think there's kind of an air of elitism yeah. here that kind of filters in. Dragon of Yang made an interesting point, which was, why would it matter if we expand our list? Because expanding the circle removes the prestige of being born inside it. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. People don't like to, to think that we're not special. Yeah. You know, that, that is a, because of, you know, and religion plays a huge part in that. That's true. Religion plays a huge, huge part. The specialness part. of Earth. The specialness of Earth. The specialness of where we are in, in relation to the sun and the universe and all this, all this stuff. That may be part of it, you know, we, because if we start expanding our understanding of planets and uh, what is considered life on another planet, mm -hmm. you know, if we expand it from what we are here on Earth, mm -hmm. that that we're not as special as we as we once were. That is true. And like if we discover, because we talked on, on on previous episodes of Celestial Bodies about like uh, I think it's. I think it's Titan, where they've discovered, like, some of the building blocks you might need for creating life someday yeah. on that planet. Yeah. Or, you know, it's a, and, but that's threatening to people. Mm -hmm. uh, Except we don't call it a planet. It's a satellite. It's a satellite. You know, but that that is, even if it's unconscious, there's this sense of, no, we got to keep it the way we've always understood it. It's mm -hmm. very, honestly, it's very reminiscent to me of what like Copernicus and Galileo and all of these early scientists mm -hmm. went through because they were challenging the, the understanding, the authority, the of, the authority of the day, the knowledge of the day. Now, yes, obviously we're hundreds of years later, there's greater expanse of knowledge, mm -hmm. but it's the same fucking principle. It's the same principle. People are, are wanting to expand our knowledge, expand our definitions, and you've got your core little elitist group saying, but no. What's really funny about this is that the International Astronomical Union says that they're the ones taking on board new information. Not funny. <laughs> that by creating this definition, they're accepting and, and putting forward new a new, better definition for what a planet is. They just also refuse to take on board the fact that the definition they gave us is would ex limiting. Right, would ex exclude a bunch of planets they didn't mean to and don't exclude. Mm -hmm. And it's because they want control of the data. That's mm -hmm. what it comes down to. Yeah. And, and I, I will, that's just my opinion. And but I do wonder if some of it is like, it's going to be, they're trying, Alan Stern is one of the people advocating for, 
getting more missions to Pluto. They'd like to get a lander mission to Pluto sometime in the 2030s. Yeah. But because Pluto isn't considered a planet anymore, that's not as appealing. And it's not on the it on doesn't the list get as, of priorities. Exactly. It's not prioritized in the same way. It doesn't get the public appeal as much yes. as investigating the big planets. Who wants to go see the little baby the dwarf, dwarf planet? planet? Yeah. Which, again, I, I'm with Carr. I, I feel like that's just, I, I, I feel like it's some kind of bigotry going on there. I honestly wonder if part of it was a, a funding decision, like... I don't understand how it could be a funding decision. Oh, so no, I, like, listen. not the IAU specifically, like, having to put forth okay. money, but being like, we want to prioritize these missions closer to home that are less expensive, that we can do mm-hmm. more with, mm-hmm. rather than having people put time and energy and money into missions to Pluto and Eris and the Kuiper Belt and farther out objects. But isn't it, you know, I, I just... Because, you, because like I said, you you remove the planet status, you remove some prestige. But does, isn't there prestige enough just to be going further and further out to explore what's in the fucking galaxy? Well, we can receive the information we can learn? No. I mean, it should be, though. It should be, but it's not. There are a lot of people who don't think we should be doing any space exploration. They don't see the point. Oh, my God. This is from Dr. Leslie Dean Brown. Okay. Who sent this to the International Astronomical Union. Okay. This is Pluto speaking. (laughs) Look, I wasn't very happy when some scientists took away my full planetary status in 2006 without even consulting me directly. And I'm not alone. I've been thinking about it, and this whole dwarf designation was never really sat very well with me. And my moon, Chiron, is not thrilled about it either because that would make her a moon of a dwarf planet, a.k.a. a dwarf moon. (laughs) Especially when you say that I'm a dwarf planet and then go on to say, which is not really a planet. Imagine how Jupiter would react if you said Jupiter is a gas giant, but not really a planet. And then you gave me a number. What do you call it? Minor planet designation? Wait a second. Look at me. Let me look that up. Let's see here. What have I got? I knew it was somewhere. 134340. That's 134340. That doesn't sound very special to me. <laughs> One minute I was named after a god, and the next thing someone has placed this completely arbitrary, bogus number in front of my name. Not after it, mind you. Before. It's 134340 Pluto. To a planet, this is inventive. <laughs> anyway, so if you would really like to... Uh, to read the whole to, thing. To read the whole thing. I love that. Uh, <laughs> you, you can do that at uh, whalebonemag.com. And uh, then also, there's a whole petition to reinstate Pluto as a full planet. So I'm going to sign. Um, and you can personally tweet <laughs> Professor Michael Brown. Who wrote the book about killing Pluto and that it, came, that it had it coming. I hate Mike Brown. And his Twitter address is Pluto Killer. <laughs> He's the worst. He's so proud of it. I hate this bitch. <laughs> I know, anyway, I know he discovered Eris, but he sucks. He sucks. We say he sucks. <laughs> Visit the Birmingham Violin Studio, where our tiger Kirsten Gill has been teaching violin for anyone ages 7 and up for 20 years. Kirsten tailors each lesson specifically to the students, since all people are unique individuals with their own learning style, rather than teaching from a single method or method book. Kirsten has a Master's of Music and Violin Performance and has played with professional ensembles including Orchestra Iowa, the Florida Grand Opera, the Palm Beach Symphony, and the Arkansas Symphony Orchestra, as well as KC and the Sunshine Band, the Beach Boys, and a pre-American idol Kelly Clarkson. 
Due to social distancing, the Birmingham Violin Studio has pivoted to providing online instruction. And Kirsten is offering listeners of Three Pagans and a Cat their first two lessons free when they sign up for two months of lessons. Yes. Since, since now that we've had all the discussion about the <laughs> and, planet. And our feelings have been made known. And Carb brought up the fact that Pluto did get you know, is named after, after a, a Roman god. Yep. So let's talk about that Roman god. <laughs> because Or actually, technically, a Greek god. Latinized. Mm-hmm. So uh, Pluto is the Roman god of the dead and underworld. There's some interesting stuff about Pluto's name here. So originally, it was Hades as the god mm -hmm. and the place, the underworld mm -hmm. in Greek. But people, and Hades means the unseen. Right. But people didn't like referring to Hades by name. Mm -hmm. So they found a workaround. And when they had to refer to Hades, the, the god, they would call him Pluton, mm -hmm. which uh, meant... The wealthy one. The wealthy one. Thank you. And um, was also worshipped earlier by Romans before the, the, the smooshing. Yeah, so, before so, the smooshing. Before the smooshing. <laughs> the so, great smooshing. So, so in Greek, he, he was referred to when you had to talk about Hades, you called him Pluton so that you could sort of get around the awkwardness of talking about mm -hmm. the god of the dead. Mm -hmm. um, and so, consequently, was sometimes associated with Another Greek god called Plutus, mm -hmm. who was the son of Demeter, mm -hmm. I believe, and Jason. Those two sort of got conflated sometimes mm -hmm. because there was also the weird situation of Hades having married Persephone, Demeter's daughter. So Hades is in this weird position of sort of semi being Demeter's son and son-in-law simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Pluto is the Latinized version of Pluton, mm -hmm. and before the, the smooshening, mm -hmm. the Romans worshipped their underworld god as Dispater, yep. which meant rich father, and another underworld god from the Etruscans mm -hmm. called Orcus got a lot of his jobs stolen later and became just a punisher of broken oaths. Right. Pluto is sort of the Roman god, but also mm. sort of the Greek god right. at the same time. It's a very weird situation. And a little Etruscan thrown. Uh -huh. Yeah, there's a, there's definitely a conflation. It's important to note that you know he is the god of the dead. Uh -huh. He is the god of the underworld, but because of these connections to Despater and some of the you know and this this whole kind the, of the Plutus the Plutus thing. thing, who was the wealthy one, he's also the god of uh, extracted wealth from the Chthonic region or the underworld, you know, anything that's from the earth. So anything mineral mm -hmm. or precious stones, he is the, he's the deity in charge of those things, and which is why he was considered the god of wealth. And sometimes also even like planted seeds. So yep. he had some agricultural stuff going on as mm -hmm. well. So even though he was considered very fearsome and frightening and spooky. God, spooky, he was the god of the dead. He was feared. And so he did not have like, uh, like they didn't have festivals to Pluto like they would no. some of the other day. They, he was not, they didn't have like a big, uh, the, the state did not have a festival. Yeah, I think him. he had one temple. And that was like it. And they didn't have like yearly festivals for mm -hmm. him or anything like that. But he did have Orphic mystery cult following. Yes. And he was sometimes celebrated in festivals mm -hmm. with 
his wife Persephone as a divine right. couple. Right. But or they didn't in, have one in Rome it would be Proserpina. Yeah. But they didn't but they didn't have like one dedicated just to them. It was like there were right. festivals for an, divine um, couples in general exactly. and they would be included. Exactly. So so it's really interesting. He never got uh, state recognition mm -hmm. for being a deity and he's considered you know he's like one of the top deities as far as there's jupiter there's uh poseidon, poseidon and there's pluto they were the of the three realms uh, neptune. Ne neptune neptune rather neptune because uh, we got to stick with we're roman yeah, right now got a vibe in yeah the we got a vibe in the roman direction so but he also he was considered the one who interestingly because he was the master of ores and metals and precious stones he was the bringer of wealth he also dispensed luck and controlled fate and i think if i recall correctly so pluto and hades did have pluto in rome versus pluto in greece because mm -hmm. like i said they had the same name in they both places kind um, of weird conflagration going on you know so so the greeks really <laughs> really feared pluto and that's why they referred to him as pluto instead of using his proper name right but the romans Although they obviously also had a little bit of an aversion to the spookiness, right? They like grasped onto the wealth connotation right. a lot more than the Greeks did, which is why they would call him Dispotter mm -hmm. more than they would address him as Pluto. Yeah, because well, and Dispotter was the, the that was pre kind of the, yeah the pre Hellenization Roman deity was Dispotter, right? And apparently that according was according to Gemma, Dispotter would now be Sugar Daddy. Yeah, basically, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Any of the, the deities, like, they would call Jupiter Dispotter, or they would call, you know, Neptune Dispotter. And so there was also... like, father deity. Yeah, well, thing. and there was also an interesting thing where sometimes they would call Pluto Chthonic Zeus. Mm -hmm. So they would be like, basically, he does all the Zeus things, but underground. Underground. <laughs> so basically, anything that had to do with, with any of the wealth, mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, their wealth came from the ground mm -hmm. with the ores and, and precious stones and things like that, and or agriculture. And like I said, the Romans embraced that aspect of right. Pluto a lot more than the Greeks did. Right. But because he was the god of the underworld, he was considered to live in this, you know, spooky, gloomy mm -hmm. castle all by himself and that he really and this may also be why they didn't really have big yearly festivals for him because he was considered to not really have much to do with the other yeah, deities. Yeah, he, he sort of stayed in his territory. Yeah, he stayed in his territory and... He was considered a little, um, stayed. <laughs> yeah. And of course, that's where we get, uh, you know, along just as with Hades and Persephone, mm -hmm. we have the, the, um, the rape of Proserpina mm -hmm. as told by Ovid in uh, Metamorphosis. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it's very much the idea that he was so lonely that one day he saw this beautiful maiden, Proserpina, mm -hmm. dancing in the fields, you know, and collecting flowers and shit. And, and he went to Jupiter and was like, because, can I have her? <laughs> well, actually, no, according to the, to the myth that I read, uh, Venus, that little vixen, she got, she got Cupid to to shoot him with an arrow. With an arrow. So he stopped being so miserable. So he stopped being so miserable, and the, and who, he was supposed to fall in love with whoever the first maiden that he saw, and it happened to be Proserpina. Hmm. And so he, you know, he stole her. He, you know, had his way with her. He did, and this is this is one of those finicky, complicated ancient myth versus yeah. modern morals points. Right. So Pluto goes to Jupiter and says, can I have her? Exactly. Because Jupiter is her father. Right. And Jupiter says, yes, which means by the mores of the ancient peoples, this was all legit. Right. But her by mother. By modern mores, not, not so, much. so much. 
And uh, and of course, her mother didn't know what happened to her. And it's mm-hmm. that same. It's the same vibe of the story that uh, we get spring and, mm-hmm. and summer, and then we get fall and winter. Essentially, very the, interchangeable. Very interchangeable. And then, of course, the other big myth that goes with Pluto, just as it does with Hades. Mm-hmm is uh orpheus and eurydice that same yeah. that same story those are the really the two big and then the, the one time hercules goes down right, to and fight fucks, fucks up hades dog yep yep because that is how uh Hades, or excuse me how pluto is often uh depicted mm-hmm. is riding a chariot Mm-hmm. Carrying a staff, shown wearing a warrior's helmet, which is funny because he ha- I find he really that so doesn't funny. go out and do war. He doesn't do war. He doesn't mess with other gods. He's now really, he was he's a minor. Now now he was <laughs> as far as like you know. I don't think he's that young. No, as in going down and digging <laughs> up the, the gems. Oh, gotcha. In now, the mines. Now he does feature in the war with the Titans, so we know That's he true. was a warrior previously, previously. So and that during may... the Titanomachia. Right. So so that may be where that's coming from. You know, he helped overcome Saturn and help Jupiter ascend. But uh, but yeah, otherwise he pretty much stayed out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he is also uh, depicted, again, holding a staff, often depicted with Cerberus, which I, I with his three-headed dog, who is both guardian, guardian and pet. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there were no cults to Hades, no, really. really. There was like one temple. Slight differences in all these different mythologies, but the, the core stories yeah. are essentially the, the same. The only real difference between Hades or Pluton, as he was in Greek, because like I said, they didn't call him Hades ever. Yeah, because it would be confusing. Well, Hades was a place. Hades was the place, and they just didn't want to get his attention. Yeah. So they thought calling him by his proper name would get his attention, and they didn't want that, so they called him Pluton. Even in Greek, he was called Pluton. Right. And then it was Latinized when the Romans came along and became Pluto and got associated with Dispotter and Orcus and all of that. Right. This is another one where either the smooshening happened very early, Mm -hmm. or the similarities between the existing gods were already so strong that That they just, like, they really easily... Conflated. That that seems to be what I picked up. Dispotter had a little bit more of that wealth focus yeah. for the Romans than Hades did, right? Because the Greeks were more spooked out by the underworld stuff, right? But other than that, they had they seem to have had very similar yeah. vibes. So it really comes as far as like the mythologies of of like how he acquired his wife mm-hmm. and uh, the the whole Orpheus and Eurydice story and and the different things that you know the different stories of Cerberus and mm-hmm. stuff. It, the the real question is you know does one come slightly before the other was one yeah. did one and influence the other or did they just happens coexistent in that what that's why they merged often hades uh, and slash pluto often get sort of a bad rap yeah. as being spooky yeah um wealth connotations aside yeah but he seems to have been like we said sort of a homebody yeah who, who just like focused on his domain he, yeah. and the main reason people didn't like him was just that he didn't let dead people come back to life yeah he, he <laughs> which was, is his entire job his so, entire job was to make sure that dead people stayed dead so his whole bad reputation seems to have come down to yeah. doing his job correctly he made sure people got where they were supposed to go mm-hmm. in the underworld he made and sure I, you know people I, who got punished went to where they were supposed to be people who were supposed to be having a happy time mm-hmm. where they were supposed to be yeah but everybody stayed dead everyone <laughs> every, yeah everybody stayed dead in the right place yeah. and i think there was a at least a period of time where he was also a patron of orphans and and homeless that, that doesn't surprise me because you know a lot of the chthonic deities and mm-hmm. things were you know if they were like kakati was a, yeah. a patron of the of the marginalized yeah the poor 
Rabbit says, man's got a house, job, dog, and money. That's not spooky, that's sexy. <laughs> I've always found Pluto and Hades, you yeah. know, whether you're looking I, at the Greek version or the Roman version. I like So let's talk about magic, and we can uh, include this in, in the planetary magic as well, because Odin and I both had difficulty yeah. finding a lot of information. Some of which I think is because... In 2006, they demoted Pluto from being a planet. And so, you know, he's not... And, like, the internet was around, but it wasn't as much. Yeah. So, um... I think all the stuff they wrote on the internet from from pre-2006 about Pluto's planetary magic, we have lost in the Google. Yeah. So, I do... What I did find about... Let's say... Let's start with the planet. What I did find out about Pluto is that, you know, it's destruction to make way for renewal. Um, It also is about bringing things to light, whether that is mining and archaeology (laughs) or uh, research and detective work or uncovering something within yourself that you may have... Lies you've been telling yourself that are being revealed. You know, shadow work. Um, Which makes sense with the god. Swan says, oh, so the tower. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, essentially... So it has a lot to do, though, with shadow work, with ego, with changes in your life. These are the things that the planet will bring into your life. And in as far as Pluto, both the planet and the deity, things like the afterlife, obviously. Right. Associations. Association. Changes. Danger or darkness. Inner darkness. Like, thing, again, shadow work. Things that you need mm-hmm. to maybe work on. Death, of course. Dream work, though. And justice. Are, are things that Pluto has reign over, if you will. Dream work makes a lot of sense, you know, mm-hmm. because you're dealing with the other world or the underworld or yeah. memory, memories, uh, rebirth, renewal, sex. Ancestors, I would assume. <laughs> yeah, ancestors, yeah. spirituality, transformation, and of course, wealth. So right. if you're, you know, if you are dealing with like wanting to change a career or bring more wealth into your life or improve your luck Mm. one of the things you can do is either work with the planet energy or work with the deity and i would say work with the deity because he's supposed to be a god of wealth Mm -hmm. and also didn't get enough respect don't get enough respect give pluto his respect that's right plants that go with pluto are things like belladonna Mm -hmm. bittersweet nettle and reed that makes sense. Mm-hmm. All of those things. Anything have really anything having to do with the underworld, mm-hmm. the other world. Potato. Mm-hmm. So any of those types of things, and then of course you've got amethyst, garnet, jet, labradorite, obsidian, first stones. All the dark stones. Yeah, all the dark stones. So is that it? I think so. I think so we've talked about episode. everything. Yeah. That is related to Pluto. Awesome. We, we had the great planet. We had the debate. That took a long time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> we definitely spent more than our fair share of that. Uh, but it's an important topic. It is time for Cars Feast Table. Cars Feast Table. Tonight I'm doing a drink. Oh. Ooh, is it a Pluto drink? It's Lowell's Love Affair. Nice. Lowell. Lowell discovered. Which yeah, was developed one. by Nick Williams, who's the head bartender at Tinderbox Kitchen Annex in Flagstaff, Arizona, in the shadow of Lowell's Observatory. Nice. So it is two and a half ounces of American dry gin, half an ounce of dry vermouth, 10 plump pomegranate seeds, and in the mythology, two sprigs of rosemary. So you're going to muddle the pomegranate seeds and the leaves of one of the rosemary sprigs, add the gin and the vermouth, shake with ice for about 45 seconds, strain it into a glass, garnish it with a twist of lemon peel wrapped around the second sprig of rosemary, 
and sip until you discover something otherworldly. Well, all I know is that that inclusion of rosemary uh-huh. is and pomegranate is mm-hmm. very cool. Very appropriate. That's very appropriate. Someone did their Somebody homework. Somebody did their research, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Someone that did one. their research, not just into the planet, but into the mythology of, of Pluto. So that's cool. So there we go. Very cool. That's it. So that's it for this episode then, right? Yes. I think we are finally done. And that's it for the planetary body. Yes. Yes. That's, that's the end that's of the I'm quite body. honestly really glad. Yeah. <laughs> There were a lot of them. There were a lot. Yeah. 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 But I thought it was fun. Well, we also, you know, we did the sun. Sun and the moon. moon. Yeah. All the planets. All the planets. planets. Yeah. Including Pluto. Yeah. Including Pluto. So this was a long one. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we should do Eris next. (laughs) At this point, all I see is like Gimli running around. No, we'll have to figure out another, a new series. Yeah. All right. I'm sure we have other Thoughts uh, and other plans. stuff we can yeah. do, yeah. Other and stuff. I have other stuff scheduled, so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, Good. cool. All right, so if you want to find out more about us, fuckers, you can look us up on Google. <laughs> you just type in the number three, and then you type in the words, Pagans and a Cat. Mm-hmm. And oddly enough, a lot of shit about us will show up. It's true. That is true. Exactly. And you'll find it where we are and what we have not been doing, because, you know, we're, at least I'm terrible at keeping up with social media. <laughs> I'm on the Discord. You are on the Discord. <laughs> I forget to upload shit to to YouTube because, quite frankly, I'm busy doing other things. So, there it is. I'm confessing. <laughs> all right, so that's it. Um, all right, I guess I can just stop. That, yep. But the remote's way over it's there. It's way over there. So, yeah. we should just wave and just continue talking. Forever and ever and ever. I can't reach Forever. And ever. Car simply can't get over it's there. It's too far and ever, away. It's trapped. And ever. And ever. And goodbye.